Ball Junkies. Big week. This is episode 38. 37? Who cares? I don't know. I don't know. Gonna title this The Comeback Kids. Uh, Another one, The Comeback Kids? How many double digit second half leads are we gonna erase in no time flat? It's incredible what happens when we get some defensive stops and uh, really hunker down. I felt like they were just missing shots, though. They also just missed some shots, yeah. And I, I, did, I felt like they were deer in headlights, even though I feel like our 2-3 zone is really unimpressive. It seemed like they didn't know what to do. They were just sort of like looking at each other and just passing the ball in a non-aggressive way. They weren't penetrating. They weren't dribble penetrating. They weren't passing it into, you know, they should have a guy right at the free throw line. They were just, they were just sort of passing back and forth and then chucking up a three. They played so uh, fearlessly and well for a lot of the game. And I, I'm noticing this happens a lot in sports. You know, when a team has a lead and they don't necessarily feel like, like you know, they got nothing to lose for the whole first part of the game. Talk about they, Miami? I'm talking about any team that, that is good, in the position to pull off an upset. We see this in the NCAA tournament. We see it, uh, we see it. You know, throughout all of sports and football, when a, a team plays a certain style, they build a lead. There's only a certain amount left in the game, amount of time, and then the mindset changes. You know, they all of a sudden con- they get conservative. All of a sudden, there's stakes. You know, there were no stakes. They're just you know running free, and now they have a lead. There's only so much time. They don't want to blow the lead, and they tighten up. And this just that's the way sports work a, a lot of the time. And it could be, you think that's a real thing? Or do you think that's just the narrative way of watching the game? It just seems like it happens so much. Obviously, basketball is a game of runs. Yeah. Either way. I was, I was just about to yeah. say that basketball by nature is just game of runs. And, and I mean, I mean, you know we're going to make a run. They're a great defensive team. We're a great offensive team. I was, I was not very optimistic. With eight minutes left, it just seemed like they were swatting every shot. And it just seemed like... Both Trayvon and Grayson were so uncoordinated when it came to possessing the ball. They were just kicking the ball out of bounds. They were passing the ball out of bounds. They were they were just coming up with new ways to, there just, was a stretch. to just give away the ball. There was just a stretch where we t- it seemed like we turned the ball over on almost every possession yeah. in like really weird ways. Like, right. Uh, and passes weren't getting through that normally get through. And credit to Miami defense. They were long, handsy, active. It seemed like they were animals so, in the paint. Um, but then, like, it just totally flipped, and it seemed like we were animals. You know, like, Wendell Carter was just blocking shots and then just coming straight down with the ball. Yeah. They, they went on a 15-0 run, then we went on, like, an 18-0 run. It's crazy. What a crazy game. And, obviously, they were shooting lights out, and they were playing a little above their heads. I like that we short were, guy. That short guy. Sykes. He was... He looks like another Tyler Eulis, another... Muggsy Bogues Isaiah type. Thomas. Yeah, more like a Muggsy Bogues than Isaiah. He's, yeah, I looked at his numbers. He cooled off a bit. I mean, he was... He's chuck, a freshman. He was chucking up a bunch of uh, threes he's, at the end of the game. Freshman. He's a young guy. He, he ended up... He, he definitely took some ill-advised shots. Uh, it's seemingly... He took... They really took some... He was some, a playmaker. They took he was some a playmaker money. with uh, no fear. I like that guy. I mean, Duvall and Allen could not guard him. They couldn't even... Think about staying in front of him. It was pretty impressive. I love that kid. I thought he was great. Yeah, very impressive. And then, and, and he was there down the stretch. I think he got a ton of minutes. Uh, Coach Coach Larinaga obviously has confidence in him. He's a baller. I like I like a few of their players. Uh, that that freshman with the three point range who uh, 
opened up the game killing us. He actually, what's his name? I've forgotten his name, but... Uh, uh, I forget. Yeah, he's also a freshman. I don't have access to my keyboard here. <laughs> but, like, he, he he just pulled up from, like, 25 a feet. A few times in transition, he just pulled up and, and let it fly. Yeah, it was very, very impressive. It was clear we were supposed to be guarding him uh, and, like, kind of kind of gave him those looks when, you know, I don't think they were supposed to. Probably it was a known thing. I haven't watched Miami play enough to know. But, I mean, the, the big storylines coming out of the game, to, for me, are Gary Trent steps up. And has another... Is Gary Trent our best off guard? I mean, he's had a, he's, he's a streaky shooter, obviously. He's, his, his numbers were low. His shooting numbers had been low. But the last couple of games, he really put it together. He's and now shooting better than Grayson from three. And Grayson's done the opposite. He's gone in the tank. I'm, I'm not too worried about Grayson. I think the analysts and the announcers are making way too big of a deal. Of, like, he shot, I think he was one for six, maybe, or one for five from three. But they all look good. You know, yeah, it's, what, a, it's a small out, sample size. Out of his hands, it looks good, and it goes in and out. I'm not worried at all. It's, uh, it, it may be getting into his head, but I'm not overly worried about him. I mean, if you watch any shooter play, they're going to go through runs. J.J. Redick had good nights and bad nights. Everybody does, so I'm not too worried about Grayson Allen's shooting. I do think he looks a little off athletically, and again, we have to read tea leaves because Duke is not transparent about injuries unless a guy is like, just out of the game. And we know he played through a lot of injuries last year. He just doesn't look like he's as tight uh, as he was earlier in the for, year. For sure in the last game against Wake Forest, it seemed like his first couple shots didn't go down and he was just totally content to rebound and distribute the ball. And he's actually been very active and good as a defender in terms of um, active hands, mm-hmm. getting to loose balls, diving on the floor, and then setting up fast break opportunities for our team. So, And plus he's also sort of the... The floor general, um, it's a little worrisome, but I'm probably nowhere near as worried as, as most people are. Yeah, uh, okay. Lonnie Walker, is, is that the name of the kid? Yeah, Lonnie Walker. Yeah. yeah. He was the, the freshman with the shot lights out. And he actually, I'm surprised, he should have taken more shots uh, because he, he... He was actually 6 of 17 from the game. Well, should more three-pointers. Three, three yeah, three, he was 5 of 8. 5 of 8 from three-point range. Yeah. I don't know why, I guess you can only get so many threes. Three looks. <clears throat> so right. towards the end of the game, we, we stopped letting him have those easy looks. There were some good contests. Mm. Bagley contested a few. Now, I want to talk about Bagley. All right, so Trent, Trent, Trent. hats off, player of the game. Yeah, and, and also basically in, wins the game. For in that Wake Forest game, it looked like he wasn't even going to play because I think he yeah. had the flu really bad, and he was throwing up on the sidelines into a bucket during the game in the first four minutes. And he, yeah. still, he was still – he was able to gather himself and still shoot six for eight from three. Um, in the Wake Forest game, and um, yeah, hats off to Gary Trent. He man. just he Best seems work. you know we were a little bit worried about him. I looked at NBA Draft Express. He had fallen out of the draft. He was like a late first rounder next year. Um, but I feel like you know all these things are reactions to what a five game, ten game sample size. This guy, he just seems he's very... always he's always struck us as poised and composed. Yeah, he has a calm, calm demeanor about him. Uh, I really liked his mid-range game last night as well, and his mid-range games all year has been like somewhat reliable in terms of getting the shot he wants. He just does seem to be, to me, missing that sort of fast twitch athleticism that like probably limits how high in the draft he could go, and I don't know that that's going to change. Yeah. I mean, skill-wise, his shot look, has looked good all year to me, even though it hasn't fallen yeah. sometimes. So 
Uh, I'm just very happy for him. It's pivotal, I and mean, he's going to play all these minutes and start. That, that what he has to do is knock down shots, right? right. And I think he has been like a like a. Yeah, I, I see some improvement in his defense as well. He made a few big defensive plays down the stretch in some games early in the season, but throughout the game, I, I don't I don't notice Gary Trent making hugely obvious errors consistently. Like, like yeah, you know, I, some I, of the other guys that bother me on the team. I'm, I I feel like he and Grayson are playing pretty good defense. I feel like Duvall is even even in this uh, so, Miami game, like he's still sort of like making terrible gambles that puts him totally out of play. I still don't know if it's Duval or Duval anymore. Whatever it is, we'll, we'll, call, him, we'll, we'll call him TD. Okay. Well, <laughs> I agree. I agree. It's very. I think it's if if you pay attention and you really like replay, like what just happened there. It's just you're right. Every every couple of minutes, he makes he takes a stab at a ball, puts himself completely out of position, and the other team's playing five on four. Yeah. And it just it's happening so much that that. You know, I just don't. It's obviously his instinct. It's the way he plays. It's his style. I, I also feel like just in the half court, he's particularly like, um, you know, it's problematic how much he sort of meanders and he, he just seems kind of weak. There's like he's, a, there's the strength no, he exhibits on offense. There's he, no sense of urgency on defense for whatever reason. It, it's his posture or yeah, something. He's flat footed a lot. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm noticing it as well. I did notice that he competed for a couple of defensive rebounds. I, I saw him grab a few rebounds that went right to him. Yeah, well, I, there was one play down down the stretch of the the Wake game that uh, actually it was it wasn't down the stretch. It was like mid midway through the Wake game where where he made a play that was atypical of his play so far. It was where yeah. he usually stands flat footed and watches. He actually went in and battled, grabbed a rebound out for, away from a guy in, in traffic. In traffic. And then and I, it required in the Miami, a little bit of heart. And in the Miami game, he, he, he displayed none of that again. But, again, his numbers look pretty good at the end of the game. 17 they, they points. Did. And and we should say, yeah. we banged on him pretty hard for his shooting. The it, last three games, he shot, he shot well he's, from three-point He's range. gone from 15 or 16% from three to, I don't know what it is, but it's probably close to like 25%. I'm glad and, he's shooting. And it, look, and it looks decent. It actually you looks, know, yeah. Looks it looks decent. looks feathery a little I'm bit. still instinctively scrunching up my face when he, like, shoots it. Uh, there but, was a play down that, the stretch yeah. of the game where Bagley got double teamed and outletted to him at the top, almost the top of the key. Yeah, and he hit a three, and that's the shot he has to take. Like I, the wide open three, the wide open tested. three, and it's what the defense gave you. And and even if you miss, you, you, you got you got Carter and Bagley right there. To, yeah, to, it's, yeah. To so it's just we don't want to see him shooting nine, eight, nine times a game early in possessions from three. Uh, the wide open corner three. We would like to see eight or nine shots from Gary Trent. Yes, Grayson yeah. Allen and I'm Alex good with, O'Connell. I'm good with any open Grayson Allen, Alex O'Connell, Gary Trent, or Wendell Carter three yeah. point three um, pointer. Okay. I'm going to take mean, Wendell. So okay. they open uh, but, up the game. Yeah. Wendell on the perimeter, when, entering when, the ball okay. to Bagley. What Wendell? So the other big story of the game is yeah. Wendell, right? Wendell, yeah. Wendell was fantastic, phenomenal. He's just fantastic, and some of the moves he made, um, you know, he was at the. Later stages of the game, he had it at the top of the key. He took a dribble. He did a spin pit. He he spun and then went up and and laid it in um, against another big. There was another play where it was just an an impressive attack of the basket. And his defense is great. I mean, I I feel like he is his defense. He's pretty much our only rim protector right now. I mean, we've got Bolden and Delorier out. 
I mean, he he's been very good. So here's what happened in the game from my cat my watch. Yeah. Bagley hurt his hand or shoulder earlier in the game, and then basically punked out the rest of the game, or at least most of the first two thirds of the game. Like he um, he, he wasn't well, he wasn't itching for physical contact. He you know his, he, his shot wasn't falling. And I'm glad he came back. Yeah. I but, mean, you know what happened, right? Tell me, I didn't. His, I didn't his, his, like his shoulder popped out, so he okay. They went to the back, and he was just moving his shoulder, and he popped it back in, and they he just Ooh. he had to make sure that there was no pain, that it was fine, sure. and then he and then he came back out, and I I think for him in this particular game against Miami, it was just more of a function of a lot of the shots that typically go down for him, they didn't go down. So maybe he wasn't I think being it was more than that, that aggressive. He was. I've, I've noticed him loafing back on defense well, more often. That's, Especially that's when he, different. When he misses a shot that's or different. thinks he got fouled, the guy is the guy's trailing the play by 10, 15 feet and casually. Yeah. And there was a couple crucial uh, in situations his de- in last his defense, night where Coach K never sits him, so he might be tired. Well, he might be, but but that's where that uh, you got to do it, man. You got to run back on defense. Especially when the other team's got a transition opportunity, yeah, and like they're killing us on yeah. the boards. I mean, halfway like, halfway through that game, the transition points was like twenty one for them and two for us. It's because we never run back on defense. They always beat us down on defense, Tw- like twenty one yeah, and two, something like that. The running back on defense thing shows, it's, should it's be an excuse. head again, and I'm, I'm gonna call Bagley out. Like you know, he he's he's certainly like in terms of bad games, this was not that bad a bad game, but. I felt like he shied away from the challenge last night, backed down a little, probably because he was hurt, or he got a little scared. Like and he must be thinking, "Oh my, you know, I'm the number one pick. I can't. I gotta be careful here." I don't. I don't. But I don't know if I agree with you there. I but, just think okay. he he lost his he lost a little bit of his heart uh, in early in the game last night, and Carter stepped up big time. So Carter Carter was great. Carter was fantastic on, on both ends. What's interesting is if you look at the numbers, like Carter was 16 and 15, Bagley was 13 and 12. Uh, I think those are something numbers. like that, and they don't look that different. But Carter played like a man. Yeah, he had and, like four or five blocks. Yeah, he played like a veteran, and yeah, the, the defense. Uh, Bagley just was short arming, being his, like his shots. Not on defense. On defense, he, he wasn't. He wasn't doing a good job. He's like he always like just jumps a split second too late and goes for that swipe instead of just playing solid defense. And he's not boxing guys out. He's just yeah. not okay. Not putting his butt on guys. And but he's just relying on his athleticism. He continues to do this, and it's pretty effective. Right. But, but like he has to catch the rebound from out of position all the time. Right. But the majority of his rebounds have always come from his superior jumping athleticism. Yeah. It hasn't been because he's stronger or wider. Or he's got a big butt, or he's being wide. He's he's probably not very fundamentally sound boxing out. He's just you can he's out-jump not at people. all fundamentally he can just sound. He doesn't people. box people out for the most part. Yeah. You know, like he's not. Uh, it's interesting. It, but, but I mean, I've never seen someone be such an effective rebounder right. but and to, be so bad at. But but to the but to rebound. analyze it, think about him at Sierra Canyon or Phoenix or to. wherever. He's playing against like six foot five guys. He doesn't have to box out. He can. He's six eleven. They're six five. He just out jumps them. Dude, I'm just tired of the excuses for these privileged, spoiled players. <laughs> <laughs> like like. Play, do some of the right things. You know they're getting the right coaching Are you feeling at this okay? point. No, man. I, I, I love that they came back and won the game. They've won the last three games. But you hate this team. But, man. You, you don't love this team. I don't love this team. i got to say, yeah. I don't love them. 
Wow, Mikey. What's gotten into you? (laughs) Well, I mean... You've been drinking a little truth serum today? They're 16 and 2. Yeah. And I don't like the way they play a lot of the time. And they're, like, pulling these games out, but not playing Duke... Not playing, like, really winning basketball. They're so talented, they're getting away with stuff. Right. And uh, I just... I wish they were playing a more solid overall court game. You know, most of them. And nobody's really that consistent on this team. So, I mean, Bagley's been the most consistent, and he's a freaking monster. He's a freak. He's, he's amazing. I, like, I, I, don't, I think you're being a little harsh on I agree with you with the fundamentals, but, like, that's not going to be his strength. He's still sort of spindly for being 6'11", 250. He's not, you know, Carter, Carter's obviously much bigger. Bolden is bigger. There's Delore's been an effort bigger. problem on defense, and, and uh, you know, in the last couple of games, and I, I can't help but last couple of years. Well, I mean, I mean, from Bagley. Oh, from Bagley. Uh, so, as great as he is, he can do better. Sure. You know, like this is what they're there for to of improve. To, I'd love to see this team play more consistently on the effort end of things, and maybe they just don't know how to because they've been sort of privileged AAU players, these huge prospects that they're hearing you know, people say certain things in their ear. They don't say other things to them. Maybe did you hear that? Did you listen to the Kyrie uh, JJ Redick? Did we talk about that last time? Uh, the podcast? Yeah, the podcast, the interview, which is I, amazing. Everybody should listen to it. I did listen to it. <laughs> and Kyrie sort of talks about how he was treated a little differently coming in as like a top, top prospect. How Duke hadn't had one of those guys in a while. And he, he actually, he's like, they ran me, but... They didn't. Coach, Coach K, K was like had the kitty gloves sometimes. He would, he would put his arm around his shoulder and right. say, hey, Kyrie, you know, you got to run back on defense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that kind of thing. And... And JJ is talking about how the guys just get treated different nowadays. Yeah, and that's a different but, but, type of situation. But, but to a man, they all say that. Like JJ said, when I go to Duke, I just think Coach K is so soft now. Like practices are a joke. They're like NBA practices. When we were there, we would just always do wind sprints and laps and do yeah. drills and blah, blah, blah. And now, like, they barely even break a sweat. Yeah. And maybe I'm old. Maybe I'm like leaning old fogey here. Of course, we're old. We're old. (laughs) You know, I just I I want I want the coach to like lay into the players and discipline. You know, like I want him to do what he did last year: take all their clothes out of the locker room, that kind of bullshit. Or when Kyrie or (laughs) Nolan Smith was there, he removed all the chairs. I think that was Jay Jay Williams' year. We're sixteen and two. We're top five in the country, so this is all. You know, I guess it's really hard to do that from that position. You get this kind of talent. It's hard to coach them. It's hard to. I don't. It's hard to, to I, demand certain things. I of them. don't. I don't know if that's true. Why isn't Coach K livid on the sideline, jumping up and down like Calipari, like Tom Izzo, like he used to be? Yeah. Right. Why isn't he grabbing someone, pulling him out of the game, and like, not, like sitting him out for ten minutes, and they don't run back on defense, how, no matter who they are, Mike, this how, early in the season? How old are your parents? My parents are 73, 74. When's the last time you heard them like get all worked up and like fiery and yelling like they did 20 years ago? My dad gets fired up talking about politics every day. <laughs> but it's different. Yeah, he's older. It's obviously different. Like He probably struggles just to get out of bed. Right? <laughs> I mean, that's no joke. Uh, he, wasn't, he, didn't co- he didn't coach in the Wake Forest game. You know, he was out with the flu. Uh, he didn't want to infect the other players. Yeah, that was, the, that, that was fine. And uh, Capel was on the sideline. It, it, as a coaching staff, hmm. they, they probably don't feel... I saw Capel get up and bark and yell. Like, he's... 
you know, Coach K is probably delegating that more, more to Nate James and Capel. Like, you, you guys have to be more the fiery, in-your-face, bad cop guy. Yeah. You know, Nolan and Shire are probably more like the older brother, and I'll just sort of be like the godfather. Yeah, so the other big thing that's happened, uh, that's been like a little bit of a shift, is the bench. Uh, last night, Jay Rob, the first off the bench. I mean, Bolden and Delariere out. O- o- Jack White's getting, you know, spot minutes and meaningful moments. No, uh, that's it. I was, was I was surprised to see him in the first half. Also, Capel played him a lot, and he looked good. He looked good on defense. Talk about effort. That guy's giving some effort, right? If you only get two minutes a game, you're gonna give it your all. <laughs> if yeah. you have to play thirty-eight minutes a game, you have to pace yourself and ration your your. Well, your output. Yeah, no, I did, what I didn't like, what I liked last night is a, a but, lot but, of bench players played. What I didn't like is none of them played more than nine minutes. No, there were two guys who played nine minutes. Yeah, O'Connell and J. Rob. Jack White played like one or two minutes. He came in like right before a TV timeout, so that's yeah, he played in like your seconds. yeah. I was actually it but, was but, a really weird lineup on the court. Just, yeah, because it goal, looked like three scrubs and Bagley, and it was all else. scrubs and it was all bench players and Bagley. Yeah, and they actually did fine. But but Jack White is he he looks. Like he should be a straight out baller. He's six foot seven. He's built like a tank. I'm sure he can shoot. We're never gonna know. Yeah. <laughs> we're never gonna know. We're never gonna know. You know we're gonna know <laughs> if uh, Jordan Tucker is sick. You know where he declared? I didn't see. Butler. Oh. Butler. I thought for right. sure he's gonna go back to upstate New York, go to Syracuse, but they Butler. Those guys. He, he was uh he was um deciding between Butler and Georgetown. Well, that's and, interesting. Uh, I think he he might be a big fish in a smaller pond there. Yeah. Apparently, it's the highest recruit they've ever gotten. Well, that may be the case, but there's no way it's he's the most talented recruit because Gordon Haywood played at Butler. Um, okay, well, good for him. I hope he does great. Uh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Maybe he goes back to being his gregarious uh, Twitter self. Well, I unfollowed him, so I'm not going to pay attention. <laughs> You're like <laughs> super harsh today. No, I don't want to have him. You, know, you got no fidelity towards any of these kids. You transfer your out. And this is why I argue that John Shire is more important than Jason Tatum is because, like, if, you, if you're only exposed to these kids for, like, two months or five months or seven months, you're just not going to have that connection. And So speaking of four-year guys yeah, and John Shire types, so these guys are, are not as – well, speaking of, like, team leaders that were here for four years uh, – Marshall Plumley and Emil Jefferson both getting signed to two-way contracts for the rest of the year. I saw Marshall got called up. I didn't know about Marshall in Milwaukee and Emil in Minnesota got got the two-way. Emil got up to Minnesota. Well, he got the two-way contract. Two-way contract is basically they're spending most of their time in the G League. Yeah, Uh, but they and they can play the max number of games in, in the NBA. But it's a more lucrative contract than G League. You know, somewhere between like the NBA minimum and the G League. You know. Whatever they get, uh, it, it's it's good. It's only for the through the end of the year for Emil. Emil got named to the All Star team. He's averaging like twenty two and fourteen a game. I saw he was putting up monster numbers in the Monst- G League. Yeah, monster numbers in the G League, and uh, I'm sure he's doing all the right things. And hopefully he's improving. And when yeah. he gets he gets his shot, he's not going to get in a lot of NBA games probably this year, but he's going to. It's a good good thing. He's uh, he's he's in there. Uh, that's pretty cool. It's pretty cool for both of those guys that they're. Yeah, you know, one connection between uh, Emil Jefferson and Bagley. I felt like Bagley in the Miami game, when he gets the ball down low and he actually has to make a move, 
after his first couple of moves, if he doesn't see a crease or an opening, he passes it back out. I wish he could be a little bit more like Emil was last year. Emil would do maybe four or five different spin moves or pivot moves. He was big on like a pivot. It. He could pivot yeah. and stretch. If, if Marvin could work that into his game, he would be even better than maybe the best player in the country. Marvin like feels for, uh, for vulnerabilities, I feel like, and he just kills you if there's a slight opening. But he, when he, he not, could just use more pass ball fakes or shot ball fakes, pivots. Um, I just, just my be, problem be, with be a little bit more composed down there. You don't have to. I actually think he's been equal. terrific in the low post. Like, obviously, he's being. <laughs> yeah. Obviously, he's been phenomenal. I mean, I'm just saying this yeah. is a room for improvement. Yeah, my guess is last night the injury was bothering him a little, or it took him off his mental game. Uh, and I'm fine. I don't mind that he missed shots. I don't mind physical. Errors. I mind the mental errors where you're not you're not running back on defense. That, to make it clear, well, so, so J. Rob, by the way, uh, hit some threes in in, in the pit game. I in the think. pit game. You want to give us a field report on your trip to pit? Yeah. So I had a layover in Pittsburgh. I was able to plan a layover on my way back to the East Coast from Vegas. I had to pick up my daughter in Philly, and I wound up uh, being able to go to the the the, the Duke pit game, uh, which was interesting. Uh, Interesting in what way? Well, the game itself was not all that interesting. It was a terrible game. We blew them out. Pittsburgh really, really isn't that that good this year. It's a grease fire. Yeah, and what's what's interesting is that you know that that program has been very good for a long time. I looked up in the rafters, and their NCAA appearances in at least I don't know ten out of fifteen years. Couple of NITs, couple, like, couple actually, of, I think maybe there was only one year. Couple of number one 15. seeds. Yeah, they they really have a very Ed accomplished Levance program. Dewan Blair, uh, some other bigs, but Jamie, Ton, tons of good players. Jamie Dixon, their former coaches, now turned around TCU as alma mater. Yeah, and they're 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 struggling now, and there's still like this spirit in the building, but it's also a little sad. Um, you so feel got, bad for them. They call their their student section the Oakland Zoo. Oakland's like the part of Pittsburgh, I guess, that the, the campus is in. Okay. And uh, it, it was they, they actually they made a few shots in the second half and kind of cut the lead from like 32 down to 20 maybe. It got and down to 17, 17, I feel like. like the place, and, and like I got... The place yeah, came alive. But even then, like, there was just no worry because they start all freshmen too, yeah. but they're obviously much, much, much less heralded freshmen. And... I don't know what it is about Kevin Stallings, but he just seems to get himself into trouble, or he just seems like a loose cannon. You know, he made the comment towards the Louisville section about we don't pair our players 100K while, yeah, while he was getting his ass kicked. I wouldn't say they didn't play with any pride, and there's a lot of pride in that building, and it was interesting to see the venue um, and, you know, walk around the city on campus. There were a lot of people at the game, but, you know, the upper deck wasn't... There were still empty seats. Yeah. Um... So it was interesting. It's always interesting to see a venue. I highly recommend everybody, you know, go to Pittsburgh. Go to go to different different places and check out what the fans like. It really makes you appreciate Cameron and how tight the experience is there. But um, they uh, so that 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 was so, the most interesting thing about the, so your get, experience there. I'll give you my three or four like in person observations. Things I wouldn't have picked up. Did you on watch TV. pregame? Uh, unfortunately, my flight, it was because of the weather, my flights got delayed. I basically barely made it there for the game at all. So okay. I didn't get to see anything pregame. Okay. didn't get to watch the body language and warm-ups. Uh, but what I did notice was at the end of the game and during timeouts, like so 
Bolden and Deloria were both sitting out. I was curious to know how engaged they would look and what the coaching staff was saying to the team in the huddle during timeouts. Deloria was right in there. Deloria was paying attention. Like Justice Winslow at Miami Heat. He's still engaged. Deloria is very active throughout the game in terms of rooting. And I'm not saying Bolden isn't at all engaged, but Bolden was looking around, rubbernecking, looking Just at the stadium. having a good time. He was joking with one of the managers. He wasn't really as into it, which I guess isn't that surprising. But it would have been nice to see him a little more engaged. Um, so I noticed that. Uh, all right. Uh, so, yeah, uh, happy for Marshall Plumley. Happy for Emil. Good news there. Um, the team wins three games. It's it's we're, amazing. We're not, still not it's, playing perfect basketball. It's amazing how much better I feel after this win because if we had lost this game, we would have been, I would, I would have been like, okay, we lost. We lost NC State. We beat up on two cupcakes. We lost to Miami, and I would have felt pretty down about this team. Like we can't stop anybody. We turn the ball over. Trayvon's a little bit too erratic at point guard. But after the win, we're like, wow, this. There's no limit to how high this this team can go. It's just amazing how you're both stop. You're both right, right? Like this just, team is yeah, a, this just, team is a disappointment and a great success at the same time. It's, yeah, this this it's particular a, game encapsulates both the highs and the lows of this team. Um, but I'm I'm still sort of very. It just strikes me how 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 many second half big deficits we we've erased. I mean. Most of the times when you're down by double digits, second half with less than 10 minutes to go, on the road, you're not going to win. Away from home, I mean. Like, you're not going to win. And Well, we lost two of the three road games we played. We didn't, we didn't come back against NC State. We didn't right. come back against Boston College. But it, in We're Portland, down in each game by in, double digits. In Portland, away from home. What's know, amazing like, is that how consistently we've Indiana, been down double digits Indiana against also. every good team we play. Or every, yeah. every like, okay team. Like, yeah. we're down double digits against... Texas, Indiana. I don't know if we're down double digits Indiana. But Pretty we're, close to we it. We were down in the game. We were down against uh, really every game except Michigan State. We've been like down by a significant margin against every decent team we played. Florida, we were down. Uh, it's because we give up so many easy baskets, transition buckets. Yeah, it's uh, that's where the, the the dissonance comes in for me watching this team. It's like uh, they're 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 just disappointing me, and they're triumphing. Yeah. I guess. And then I feel like, man, they should have gotten their comeuppance because maybe they'll learn. Like, like you know, but then, again, they're, I remember last slowly... year where we lost a bunch of games and didn't feel very good. So, you yeah. know, uh, it's still, uh, they have a journey to complete. And I hope I hope they're all on board, at least, and they're not just sort of looking past this towards a draft in a couple of months. One other thing I want to say way, about yeah. our bet. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to oh. say something about Duval's draft stock. Yeah, sure. Duval uh, maybe I maybe playing himself out of the first round. No, and uh, no, no, he's been holding steady. No, I I saw one writer who I follow, Sam Vecini, uh, you know, say there's a, there's a decent chance the way he's playing, he keeps playing like this. He's I mean, talking about a guy who isn't a great shooter. If he isn't making good decisions with the ball and he's playing poor defense, I mean, he got he looked really kind of bad last night. Uh, Trying to guard the ball, but he also that little guy. He also is like, he looks bad, but then he also looks great. Yeah, he his, also his upside is very high. Those are all things that can be coached. His highlight reel from the game is a good one. Yeah, his low light reel is also you know notable. what I so what I wanted to say about Duval. Yeah, is I didn't like his end of game um, execution. 
Yeah. You know, like he he was sort of slow to get rid of the ball in the final fifty seconds or whatever. I don't know if he's trying to pad his stats to get fouled and get to the free throw line, but you know the ball should always go to Grayson and Gary Trent. And I don't know why O'Connell's not on the floor at the end of the game. Should we talk about free throw shooting? Um, yeah, I mean we Badly. can we can, but also like yeah, why isn't O'Connell on the floor? He should be. He should be. Uh, but also when Trey goes to the free throw line and he makes it. I'm sorry, he misses it. He gets the own rebound, and he puts up this really acrobatic layup, which he made, but that's not really a shot you should be taking that spot. He got his own rebound twice. He missed two front ends of one-on-ones, right? Yeah. I mean, first of all, that's bad. It's great that he got the board, but Miami didn't have four guys on the box and didn't put a butt on him. Like, yeah. no one's boxing out. Why aren't they boxing out? Like, it's just... I, but, what's going on in college basketball but, anymore? These guys come in, and they don't know how to play. But my issue <laughs> is, yeah. in that spot, if it's a wide-open, uncontested layup, you take it. But if you're, like, falling down and you have to do a reverse over-your-head layup, don't take that shot. I mean, he made it, but you shouldn't be taking that shot. Yeah, he is a good disher, and it's not like he's a selfish offensive player uh, a lot of the time. So I, I don't think it's, like, a systematic... He's 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 not, but I feel like have these coaches said in at the end of a game in a tight game the ball should be in Grayson's hand and Trent's hand. That's it. With when we have a lead. No, they obviously haven't set set that down. When when they're fouling us, those are the two guys who should be handling the ball. I feel like last year they knew Kennard should get the ball, Grayson Allen should get the ball before they got fouled or Tatum. Yeah, even Tatum. But Anybody who shoots over 80%. Try try not to have the ball in your hand if you're shooting in the 60s from the free throw line. Yeah, I mean, if I was other teams down the... I, I might intentionally I, I might foul. consider intentionally fouling Bagley, you know, if he's having a bad free throw shooting night. He looked or Trey. pretty atrocious on, on some of his free throws. Yeah. It's weird. It's like some days it's he's weird. got it, some days it's he weird. doesn't. Sometimes it looks good, and then sometimes it's, it's, uh, it's lucky that it hits iron. Yeah. Um, but also, the one other point I want to make about our defense is uh, Alex O'Connell. He's very in, active. In the first half against uh, Wake Forest, you know, he comes in, gives us a lift, um, makes a couple of threes. For the game, he ended up having 13 points, making a couple of threes. In this game, he passes open wide open shots. Yeah. Passes up wide open shots. So, so my question is, this guy is shooting... I believe he's 15 for 28 from three. He's shooting like 54, 55% or whatever from three. That doesn't even include his blue-white performance. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) At what point are they going to start drawing up plays for Alex O'Connell? I understand this offense is incredible, but why not run him through some screens and get him open for a wide-open three? Why not use... Considering in pregame warm-ups, he swishes every single three. I think it's a great point. I think it goes to, you know, whether this team is a little, you know, just doesn't quite take advantage of every edge they can get because they don't need to. They feel like they don't need to. The coaching staff and the players, right? You don't have to box out. You can jump up and get the rebound anyways. We don't need to draw up, like, really great out-of-bounds plays for a guy like Alex O'Connell. or Like, like Alex O'Connell could be our best shooter. We should be running way more stunts. Why, why stunt not screens? run plays for him? Yeah. You know? Well, these are the things they can add in as the season goes on, but uh, I'd love to see it. You're, I think you're exactly right. Like, I agree completely, man. I think most, a lot of your points, like, they could use you on the staff, right? You thinking about applying? Because they could use a sort of... I think they could use your five or ten minutes of this <laughs> podcast on the staff. 
In fact, I'm going to send it to the coaching staff. Yeah, they also talked about. I listened to the Grand Hill interview this week. I had a lot of time which, on, which on Grand airplanes Hill? the last week. Which Grand Hill? Uh, the Grand Hill, uh, John Shire one, where he talked about. Sort uh, of that the, one is the best. The fil- a great interview. The film session that stuff. That one I think is the best. He's talking about how Coach K just lives and breathes in the film room and. Grant Hill doesn't want to come anymore and sit in on yeah. the sessions because you can't leave and they take forever. <laughs> and like, and it just occurred to me, there must be a big disconnect between the stuff they see in the film room, the stuff we notice when watching the game, we talk about it, and how much time they really have with the players and what they want to stress, how much of it should be negative, how much of it should be positive. you got to, like, confidence is a critical thing for young guys. For sure. And you don't want to destroy these guys' confidence. Like, I mean, if I... You know, if you said if you showed Duval enough of his film and really broke down too much of it, I mean, he might come come out of the room kind of feeling a little, uh, you know, insecure. So I don't know what the balance is. I, I, I'm I'm glad it's not my job. I mean, it's not easy to coaches that they have them for nine months and that's it. Yeah. And the first part of the nine months, they can't even have official practices. Right. And even now, they have all these games and they have to go to class. They only get a certain amount of time with them during the week. It's not like they can just... If this was the NBA, they could work on stuff all day long. Yeah. It's not. This is college basketball. And, you know, the staff is limited in terms of what they do. So they must be behind closed doors. I'm sure gr- Grinding their teeth and clenching their fists, watching the tape of these games. I, yeah. And they must feel a little bit powerless. And, and no, I think, I think they feel the same things. They... They talk to the kids. They instill in them what they want them to do. But then the kids are out there, and it just becomes reactionary. Yeah, there's that to habits. You know, like it's How just break lifelong if, habits. If you played basketball like this your whole life, it's just gonna be it's gonna be tough, tougher. Um, Man, we're a really good AAU team, aren't we? Right. <laughs> That's what it, it's kind of what it feels like. Right. So Alex O'Connell shooting fifty three percent from three. Yeah, let's draw him up some more plays. The other thing I wanted to mention about what I saw in person, seeing this team play live is Alex O'Connell is an absolute physical freak. Um, and it doesn't come through quite as much on TV. He is has the pit game? His, like, proportions, his body proportions. Okay. He has, like, like a shrunken, tiny upper body. He's got twig legs. And he's got huge, well, he's got long legs, long arms, and, a, like, between his shoulders and his waist is, like, a very small proportion it's of concave. his overall body mass. Okay. Right? Yeah. So... He he looks like um, he probably looked he like looks, Dunleavy when Dunleavy came. When Dunleavy came, I remember like his 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 torso was like very thin and skinny relative to the rest of his body. I mean, he was skinny overall, and then he bulked out the last yeah, two or three no, years. I'm, I'm, he, he, you know, I thought he was actually he really looked like an interesting physical specimen. Yeah, in Brand, person, Brandon Ingram also he moves really well. Yeah. You know, and uh, it's. You know, he's just he is he's on the weaker side in terms of like strength and core, obviously. I actually watched the end of the Duke Miami game with a friend, and and he was just like, nobody should be playing more than thirty minutes. Alex O'Connell should be playing twenty twenty five. Like we have so many good guys on the bench, play them all, play them. There's no know. reason not to. I and and like when they come in, it's not like we're we're getting housed. Yeah. Like they had that week, that weird week lineup in with Bagley. I was excited to watch it, and they yeah. come back from the TV timeout, and there's only one bench player left in the game. So that, you know, I, I want to see more of it. But I know when Delorier and Bolden come back, we're gonna see less of all those guys. Right. You know, Goldwire looked good last night. I thought. I, 
You know, he, he stuck a shot. The only I'm his biggest and maybe only proponent. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I mean, he hasn't. I wish we got to see more of these guys. Uh, I wish there was no sort of 38, 39 minutes, especially because he only got five fouls. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, for these big guys. Coach but, uh, Coach looks, K- Coach Capel has a little radio thing which I listened to a part of, and and he said his instructions to Goldwire is very specific. Look, if you want to earn playing time, you got to do three things: apply ball pressure, push the pace on offense. And knock down the open J. If you can do all those three things, you're going to earn more playing time. If you can't, you're not going to play. I believe him. I just I don't think Coach Coach Gable can 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 tell Coach K how to how to do his rotations. No, no, no. He's 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 just saying he's saying that's what the coaching staff right and Coach K are telling Goldwire. Okay. I mean, I just there is this like tendency, and we've we've talked about it at, ad nauseum with Coach K to just kind of. Play the shit out of his, his starters, especially in losses. Like you'll just see the starting five log all the minutes. Yeah, and uh, I just think it's short-sighted. And we've been over the reasons why. Uh, if it's the first time you're listening to us, uh, you know, I would I would just, love to see Alex O'Connell unbridled, just be free to just chuck up as many shots as you want. Yeah, I'd lo- just I'd love to see the players be able to play all out, full intensity, no excuses when they're in the game. I'd love to see him get a little more rest, and just get like five minutes of rest yeah. each half, and then play and balls give out. Give the other guys the just the more opportunity to flourish or fail. Yeah, go ahead and fail. Yeah, right. And then we don't have to play you anymore. We don't have to worry about it. But uh, so many guys transfer from this program never having gotten a shot. Yes, and who turn out to be really good ball players. Right. You know? Um, so, are you are you worried at all about um, Delory and Bolden's absence? I wish I knew. You know, I wish I knew a little more. But uh, I feel like I'm more worried about Delorier. Those hamstring issues can be. Um, you're supposed to rest them more than what you think, and his game is more athletic and physical. I'll be honest. I don't think we need Bolden. I mean, Bolden could 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 never play another minute for Duke. <laughs> At least this year, yeah. Like his skill set is just duplicative. It's just redundant. I, we, for this particular squad, we don't need size. Right. And he's not going to play, and he's not going to. You know, he's a backup. He's an insurance policy for an injury to one of the two starting big men. I Which, actually, I, I did want to ask, but you, I'd rather see Delaria in there anyways because he does different things. I did want to broach the subject yeah. a couple of podcasts ago when uh, Jordan Tucker transferred. I was like. Who's next? I don't think it's inconceivable that it's Bolden. Uh, like let's say Bold, yeah. let's say Bolden plays single digit minutes per game the rest of the way, and he just he just doesn't see it at Duke. Was well, not an NBA draft pick. I think he might go out anyways and just play in the G League or play in some foreign league. Like I could see him just deciding forget college yeah, basketball. Never, yeah, he's gonna sit out a whole year, yeah. right? And he at one point thought he was gonna be a lottery pick. Or, well, it wasn't him. Hope. It was the people somebody who project- knew. It somebody, was the people who knew. Somebody projected. They thought he was going to be a top ten pick. Yeah, they were obviously wrong. Like, you know, but those, those high school projections are, are often wrong. Guys, they, you know, guys fall out. He's fallen out, no doubt. Uh, transferring, absolutely. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't blame him. And truth I, is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't care that much anymore. And I would I, feel like I, like I feel him. like I it's a failure like by the staff. I sort of like him. I, I like him fine. But he's not going to get a fair shake here. Yeah. Have you seen the recruits coming in next year? I mean, he might get a big role. He might not. We don't know who they're going to recruit. As soon as he drops out, they're going to recruit somebody else who they're going to give a fair shake to, most likely. 
but like the guys on the bench, they should transfer. You know, Alex O'Connell, I think, is going to have a real future here. Everyone else, I have no idea. And Delorier, who has O'Connell and Delorier, anyone who? but it's not O'Connell and Delorier should absolutely transfer. Jack White should transfer. That's I think Jack White. <laughs> I mean, he should Jack, go somewhere where he can play. I think Jack White would be. Yeah. A significant contributor. Somewhere. Goldwire should just stay. He should be our bench guard who, for four years, and like, who knows how he'll develop. Who do you but think he's in a good spot? Who do you think is going to have a better career at Duke, Justin Robinson or Marquise Bolden? Justin Robinson. J. Rob. Yeah. Okay. So they're, he looked, they're, he looked they're both good. sophomores, he, right? He, he made sophomores. He made shots. Uh, he, he did make them. He does. Yes. Look, he is a little slow. He, a little slow footed. I don't. For some, I don't like the way he runs. Yeah, just bothers me. Okay, <laughs> I'll let him know. Yeah, um, but yeah, yeah he's, 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 he's still he's watch. still um, he plays he's, defense. He's surprisingly good defending. Like he's gotten some some crafty blocks. He's um, got some length. I, I, I imagine like he talks and he communicates a lot on defense, and he is apparently one of our smartest guys on the team. Yeah. So I'm not saying every player should transfer off the bench, uh, but if you wanna, if those guys want to play. Starter minutes anywhere, or they re- like I could just see J. Rob Goldwire. They're happy being a role player, right? At, right? at an elite program, O'Connell could be a starter, could be a star, could, could even be a star, right? Maybe he could at be Duke. like Trey Young at somewhere, you know. I don't think he's that Florida good Gulf Coast yet. or wherever he could be like Trey Young. Yeah, I, I would expect O'Connell to play and start most of the rest of his Duke career after this year. Uh, but who knows? You seen our incoming class next year? <laughs> <laughs> who knows? They're not done. Yeah, but everybody's gone. Everybody's gone. It's gonna be O'Connell, Delorier, and you know. I don't think he starts next year. Even though obviously I wish he's one of my favorite. Players. Well, I don't know. I don't know who else we're gonna recruit. So the other the other item to talk about is Zion Williamson. Yeah. He's gonna declare in four days on January twentieth. Twentieth, twenty first. I think the twentieth. Okay. He's, he's got. We've already got uh, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish. And Tyus Jones' brother, Trey. Uh, Trey Jones. So, point guard, and then two big wings, essentially. Right. Uh, which gives us a lot of versatility. And these guys these guys are just as heralded, maybe more so, than everybody but Bagley in this year's class. Yeah, I want to say, I wanna say in that Red, league as Red, well. Reddish and, and Barrett are... Reddish and Barrett are talking very, about going 1-2, two, 2-3 two, in the draft. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we've Jones. had comparisons to James Harden and Tracy McGrady, <laughs> stuff like that. Sure, uh, there's you know Zion comes. Zion's a beast. He's a beast. Uh, you know he probably takes Alex O'Connell's starter minutes away from him, uh, and then Bolden was the presumed sort of five next year, but unless they recruit over him, you well, know, Delorier. Don't know. You're forgetting Delorier. Delorier too. Off Delorier yeah. could play five. Yeah. Anyhow, so uh, who knows? I don't know if we're going to get Zion. Uh, it seems like it would be it'd be uh, pretty cool if we did. He's going to be like an all-timer in terms of highlight reel dunks. Uh, but we'll see. <laughs> Anyhow, I don't know. Do we want him? Do we want him? Do we want a guy, another you know AAU god? Of course we do. But I, you know, it's just does it matter? Does it feel like it matter? Like it used to be such a big deal. So I keep going back Maybe to Danny only... Manning, right? Yeah. Is the guy just drawing dead in the ACC? Because he was one of my favorite. I grew up in Kansas. I liked the way he was Carr's played. National the Player of the Year, 88-89. He won the national title. And he goes to Wake Forest. He's going up against Coach K and UNC and Virginia. And, like, is he just, does he have no shot at winning at Wake Forest? 
Wake Forest is always going to have a disadvantage against those programs you just named, especially UNC and Duke. It's just always going to be the case. So should he have not taken that job? What's the problem? Why, why can't you shoot for that level of, of success? He could be a tournament team every year. He was a tournament team last year. Yeah, like what? Like they're playing well. They could beat us at home. They could beat UNC. They can beat UVA at home. They, they're they're just playing a different game in the recruiting game. For now, but they they can get they can get one or two studs here and there. They're not going to get, okay. you know, Cam Reddish. Like, if I'm Zion, like I would love to see Zion Williamson go to a Wake Forest, and I think there's um, be a star. He's from the area. He's like, from South Carolina. I mean, I think people are saying yeah. uh, Clemson. Has yeah, it's uh, it's, it's interesting. I I think it's fine that you know the other ninety eight percent of programs aren't getting the one and doneers. I don't think they're crying in their soup all day long. Like Danny Manning just cursing life, like how you imagine. Yeah. You know, because they don't have to play in the biggest stakes game. Like, they're just playing the lower stakes, like you in poker. Like, you don't have to play in the, the big game in Bobby's room at Aria, right? Like, you you can just be content playing 5-10 at Bellagio or, you know, 2-5 at Venetian, right? <laughs> like, sure. isn't it, like... Are you are you always looking at the big stakes game and being like, oh my god, I wish I could play? Or you're thinking, look at those idiots playing against the best players in the world, like they have their expectations, like they must be unhappy. Like, can't you be happier playing low stakes, Peter? Interesting comparison. No thoughts. Um. I w- so this goes back to your your point of if we get Zion Williamson, I would I would just be somewhat embarrassed. And, and and so like we get the one, two, three, and ten prospects. Like obviously I love Duke and I hope they win, but I would sort of be rooting for like the Cinderellas almost all the time, you know? Because now we're the big bad Goliath and we get the top guys all the time. Well, not all the time, just the last five years and sporadically for the previous twenty years, but not all the time. Yeah. Um I don't think we have to feel guilty. We can talk about maybe we can have a psychologist on who can talk to us about the guilt, like the privileged guilt we feel. You know, like should we be rooting for NC State? Like they'd be so happy if they beat us. Like it's such a, it's like the best night of these kids' lives against our like you know, you know. There are there for me. I do have some feelings of guilt. I think it has to do with my psychology Mm. and like I, I like rooting for underdogs. Like right, you know, I like rooting for the the Cinderellas. I agree. But I would just we're, like we're for, just not that yeah, anymore. I would just like for our team to be constituted in a way that it's built around like an O'Connell or Delorier next year. With like, because remember how it was? We would have one or two guys, maybe three freshmen, and they would maybe contribute, and we'd be like, "Wow, this freshman's really good." Now the whole team's just all freshmen, and it just turns over every year. Yeah. It's just a different experience. Well, the good I'm news. I'm sure after a while it'll. Yeah, the good news is I don't take. think this is, this is uh, sustainable. I think the NBA is going to change the way they do things. Yeah, and I don't think these guys are going to be going to college in a few years. Yeah, you know, with the new collective bargaining, I think something's going to change. I don't, I don't, I don't foresee it one and done being an era that lasts ten or twenty years. Uh, so you know, we probably don't have to wrestle with it too hard. We could just enjoy it for what it is. And uh, you know, for me, it's a bit of a struggle wrestling my own sort of expectations of the team. And how they should play in my head, and who they really are, and we're just we're an all-star team of very young players. Yeah. And the coaches have limited time with them uh, to accomplish and, and certain and things. It's a tough. It's a tall task for them. 
regardless of how touted these guys come in, it's a tall, tall task. That's what that's what the last couple of years are showing. Last year because of injuries primarily, this year because of sort of habits that have been picked up from a lifetime of AAU ball. Yeah. Uh, these are not easy things to break, and you know, do I wish Duval played as solid an overall floor game as Tyus Jones? Yeah, I do. I, it was easier to root for me. It was easier to root for Tyus Jones. That entire team was. I root, I found myself rooting for that team very hard. Yeah, but uh, I don't know if I felt that way in early January. So there's a lot of time to go. I, I mean, I really do enjoy. Bagley when he's crushing. I do enjoy Wendell Carter. I enjoy selectively. I, I really enjoy Trader Ball. He made a couple of very fancy moves to the hoop and finished. It was pretty special. Derek Rose-esque. Yeah, eh, eh, I disagree. But uh, I feel very, you know, and uh, Grayson, I have a lot of rooting interest in Grayson. The redemptive arc is still this, a possibility this, here. The starting five is just incredible. Yeah. Like, if you just look at and each guy, they're all incredible. Like, you could build a program around any one of these guys. They're not playing team defense. Is right, it? right. But they and are they're playing pretty good team offense. And they're certainly not hustling back in transition defense. So, that's something to look for. Hopefully, uh, yeah. we'll get some of that done. They have the whole week to practice. Yeah, so coming up, we have... They don't have a game until it's the a, weekend. It's, a re- it's an interesting scheduling uh, thing. We've got Wake and Pitt again. Wake on the road, Pitt at home will be like thirty-five point favorite against Pitt, and and then our next the Wake test game will be a is test. going to be Virginia. No, Virginia at home, and then Notre Dame at home. Yeah, but so I, we'll be Notre Dame might not have. Uh, they definitely won't have Bonzi. They might not have Farrell. Yeah, and they're home games, so uh, yeah. it should be a little smoother. But I just like to see how the team's going to do against great opponents. And Devin Gordon, if you're listening, Virginia Duke must see TV. <laughs> yeah, yes, you're not you're not truly a, uh, a fan if you're boycotting Duke UVA games. <laughs> it should dare, be a great game. How dare you? It should be a great game. Uh, all right, well, this was uh, good, man. It was good to uh, catch up on Duke. Uh, glad we won the games, kinda, and we're uh, sixteen and two. We have a favorable schedule coming up in terms of three out of four of the next games are at home. Yeah. Uh, I could see us breezing through, and every time I've said that for the last two years, we do not. <laughs> so uh, we're going to look, look for continued improvement and growth and uh, keep, keep rooting for the team. Uh, anything else, Matt? I think that's it. All right, over and out. Thanks for listening, everybody. This has been Duke uh, Basketball Junkies. And uh, All right, thanks for listening, guys.